Connors T, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. Each week we tell an Irish myth with music and we have a chat about it in the next episode. My name is Aaron and I'm here with my sister, Sorica Hegarty. And this week we're listening to Sive's story, told by Sorica. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. Links and descriptions are below and to hear about new gigs, courses or latest news, go to candletales.ie or follow us on any social media at candletales. Now, hey Sorica. Tell us the story, will you? She was born in the other world, the Lady Sive, daughter of a king and a queen. She had a high place. She was beautiful, and that was the first thing that anyone noticed about her, although it was the last thing that many noticed about her, because she was also quiet and timid and a little shy. But Sive was also kind. Her world was kind. It always had been. Her home was in the shining palaces of the other world. Even the weather there was kind. There were no cold winter winds. No driving rains, no killing frosts. The blossom and the fruit were born on the same bough. When she was not at her mother's court, where Sive was often watched, for her beauty and her poise and her grace were captivating, even among the people of the other world, who are beautiful by our standards. Sive would wander farther afield by herself, and her favourite place was a little valley, a peaceful, gently sloping valley, where deer roamed, These deer were the magical deer of the other world and their hooves and their antlers were of silver. They were timid, like her, and they ran away from most people. But Sive's nature was so gentle and she was so patient that they grew accustomed to her and they allowed her to walk among them. Sive loved music also. She loved the sound of it, and she particularly loved the sound of the whistle. And one day, in her room, where only she would go, Sive found a little gift. It was a whistle, carved of wood. Clearly handmade. Clearly just for her. And Sive was touched by this gesture. It meant that someone was watching and that someone had truly seen her. Seen that when she watched the musicians, her gaze lingered on the whistler, over the fiddler or the piper. And more gifts began to appear on Sive's table in her bedroom from time to time. And they were all small things. And they all had that little touch of the personal that showed her that they were chosen just for her to make her feel special. And as Sive went about the days, she began to look at the people in her home and began to wonder, which of them was it? 
Who was sending her these special little gifts? Who was seeing her so clearly? And then one day, she came into her room and she saw another gift there. It was a silver comb, but it was oddly shaped. And when Saif picked it up, her breath stopped. The comb was made of silver. The silver of the hoof of one of her very own deer. And in that moment, Saif did not feel seen. She felt watched. And now, as she looked about her to see who it could be, who was leaving her these little presents, these little gifts, she began to look with fearful eyes. Who was watching her? Who was paying attention to her? And it took her some time to work it out. Because there was one who watched her closely and fiercely. But his gaze did not seem the gaze of someone who would leave her little gifts and little presents. His gaze was harsh and forbidding and frightening and seemed almost a glare. It was her mother's druid, Ferdorok, a powerful man with great magic under his command and one that she had known all her life since she was a very young child. So it seemed odd to her that he should watch her so and he should watch her so closely. And Sive began to avoid him. At mealtimes, she waited until he had finished before she came down to eat or she rushed her meal before he joined the company. In the mornings, she would wait until she heard that he had left the house before she came down from her room. She spent more and more time in her room and more and more time out of the house altogether. And the only place that soothed her nerves was the valley with the deer, the silver hooves. One day, Saiv was coming down from her room and she caught a glimpse of her own reflection in one of her mother's beaten bronze mirrors. And she saw on her face, in her wide, darting eyes, the look of an animal, a hunted animal. And she thought to herself that this was not right. She was not one to be hunted, not in her own home, not in her own place. And so she gathered her courage and she went to speak to her mother's druid. She wanted to ask him why he had started bringing her these gifts, but he looked at her with such a harsh and forbidding glance that her courage quailed. And instead she said, Ferdorak, there is something between us and I do not like it and I do not know what it is. And I did not put this here, but you did. And so I would have you name it. And Ferdorick looked long at her. And she thought that he was not going to answer her. Until at last he said, It is that I love you, Lady Sive. 
And Sayo said, Oh. Thank you. But I do not feel the same way. And he said, No. No. You do not understand my meaning. I love you. I love you like I love the air I breathe. When you are not there, I choke. I love you like I love the sunlight. When you are not there, all is darkness. You are the only thing that gives my life meaning and a joy. Food is ashes in my mouth if you are not there. Nothing matters but you. And you being by my side. And when Saive heard those words, she paled and quailed, and he saw the fear on her face, and he reached for her, and she turned and twisted out of his grasp, and she ran. She ran as fast as she could to the place where she'd always felt safest, and that was no longer her mother's house nor her room where he had been so many times leaving those twisted gifts for her. She ran as fast as she could to the valley of the deer with the silver hooves. But she could hear him running behind her, calling her name. She could hear the rage in his voice. And so when two legs were not fast enough, she ran on four. She ran and ran. When she arrived in the valley of the deer, she ran in among them. And when she looked at her shape, she realized she was one of them now. Her form had turned into the form of a deer, pursued by Ferdorok, the druid. But she was able to hide. She heard him calling still. She saw him stalking around the edges of the herd. She saw the deer all lift their heads and she ran with them when the herd ran from him. He could not tell which one she was. She was hidden in the safety of the herd. But Saiv could not relax. And the next day, Ferdorok came back with a rope. Saiv did not have silver hooves in the form of a deer. She had the hooves of a deer. Ferdorak began to capture the deer with the silver hooves and check them and trap them. And Saiv knew that she could not stay there. She was not safe there. She was of the other world and of the people of the other world and so she knew the ways between the worlds. She knew how that magic worked. And she found her way between the worlds and into the mortal world world, it was winter. And for the first time in her life, Saiv knew cold, biting winds. She knew the cruelty of frost. She knew the suffering of hunger. She knew the cruelty of wolves as well, who pursued her and chased her. But as a deer she was swift, and as a deer she was sure-footed, and she managed to evade the wolves of winter. And when summer came, she managed to stay one step ahead of the traps of hunters. But she was never fully safe. She was an animal in the wilds. She could never relax, not fully, 
and she knew always that no matter what wolves or hunters were pursuing her, she was hunted by one far more terrible, and that Ferdaruk would come for her if ever he found out where she was. One day, Saiv was hunted by a huge band of warriors, 300 hounds in their pack. And all of these warriors chased her, and she fled from them all. She was able to outdistance them at first. She was able to lose almost all the hounds, but two, two kept pace with her. One brindled, one light with a stripe down its back. And Saiv ran before the two hounds, and as she fled panting, she realised something. They had had chance and chance and chance again to bring her down, but they had not. And when she looked at these hounds, really looked at them, she saw it was a kind of a grin on their faces, their tongues lolling. And she remembered the hounds of her mother's house, the friendly expression of a hound that is playing. And she noticed behind them there was one hunter still. Only one out of that great army that had been able to keep pace with these hounds and with her. And he had beautiful golden hair and he carried a spear in his hand and her heart leapt in her chest to see that. But then one of the hounds leapt over her in play and the other ran between her legs and Saiv began to leap and bound as well. And when the hunter saw this, he threw his spear aside and a little time later, they slowed and they stopped. And Saev turned to face him, this tall, handsome man. But that was not what struck her about him. It was the gentleness in his face and the kindness and the way he held his hand out gently for her to sniff his fingers. And then he turned and he called to his hounds, Bran, Skjolon. And he went away from her. And Saif followed. Because for a moment, just a moment, she had felt safe with this hunter. She walked back. And one of the hounds paced on one side and the other paced on the other side. And when they came to that great pack of 300 hounds, Sive's guardians snarled and snapped at them and drove them back. And so she was escorted like a queen into the hunter's hall. It was a great hall, sturdy and beautiful, filled with servants, filled with music, filled with laughter, people coming to and fro. And Sive recognised the sounds of a happy home. And she wondered at this man, this great hunter. He had not killed her. He must have seen something in her. Perhaps he knew magic enough to cure her, to bring her back from this curse, to bring her back to herself. But when the hunter came into the hall, he took a meal and he went to bed. Saiv lay down by the fire. 
no one harmed her. She seemed under the hunter's protection, and her two guard dogs had not left her side. And so she lay down in the warmth for the first time in a long time, with one hound on one side, brindled, and the other hound on the other side, light-coloured with a stripe down her back. And she closed her eyes. And she slept. And in her sleep, all her tension melted away. And when she opened her eyes, in the small hours of the morning, she felt like herself again. She went to find the hunter. She saw him sleeping, and she drew back the covers, and she looked at his face. And she saw that kind face with its beautiful golden hair, and she saw that he was much more handsome now than he had seemed to her when she was a deer. And then she realised that she wasn't wearing any clothes, but she was herself again. That might not be a bad idea. And so she reached out a hand and she woke him. His name was Fionn McCool, and he was the captain of the Fianna, that great band of hunters who had frightened her so the day before. And his hounds were Bran and Skjolon, and Sive and Fionn McCool fell in love, and they were married. And although she was herself in his hall, she did not want to leave it, because she knew that Frederick was still looking for her and that he would miss no opportunity to take her back, and she feared him still. So she stayed confined within the walls of Fionn McCool's home. But Fionn was the captain of the Fianna, and he had duties, and he had duties far away from Sive. And although it broke her heart to see him go, she loved him with an open hand, and not with a closed fist. And so... She let him go, without any bitterness, when Fionn was called to defend Ireland from an invasion from Lachlan. But she waited, and she watched for him. Even the day after he left, she was waiting for his return, although everyone told her that it would be a long time before Fionn would be back. She watched every day for someone coming up the hill, And every time she saw someone coming, her heart would skip a beat, wondering, wavering between hope and terror. Was it Fionn McCool that was coming? Or was it Ferdorock that had found her at last? But on the day that Fionn McCool returned home, there was no mistaking him. That golden hair, that long stride, Bran and Skjolan by his sides. And she ran down the hill full of joy and she flung herself into his arms. And the moment that he caught her, Sive saw through Ferdorock's disguise. In horror, she tried to twist away from him, but Ferdorock held tightly to her. He would not let her go. And so she twisted inside of herself. And with four feet on the ground now, she tried to scramble away. But the two hounds by his side caught her and bore her to the ground. Frederick tied a rope around her neck 
and dragged Saif away. He took her to a valley, but it was not a valley like the one she had once loved, with its broad sloping sides and its sweet grass. This was a valley with high, narrow cliffs on either side. She could not have climbed out even if she were still herself. And now, of course, on four feet, with sharp hooves, she could get nowhere up those steep, rocky walls. And Ferdorok begged her, begged her to come back to herself, to be his scythe again, his sweet scythe. But she turned away from him. She could not come back to herself. Not with him there. Not with the terror coursing through her. He came every day. And every day he spoke to her. Sometimes threatening. Sometimes cajoling. But every day she turned away from him. When Ferdorok realised that Saiv was with child. That she had been with another man was not him. He flew into a rage. For the first time he beat her. And then he left, closing the walls of the valley behind him like a door slamming shut. And he did not come back the next day. Nor the day after that. Nor the day after that. Although she was alone, Saiv knew that she would not be alone for long. There was a child, her child and Fionn McCool's. And although she was terrified that Ferdorak would come back at any moment, Saiv knew she had to come back to herself. She had to come back to herself for her child. And so every day, she got a little closer to her humanity that she had torn off and thrown away to protect herself. She wove it back around her, as instinctual and fluid as her transformations had been. This one was hard, this one was wrought not of instinct but of will, and it took time and it took effort in that lonely valley with its high walled sides but she rested it back her lost humanity she wore it even though she was still afraid even though she was alone and cold she brought it back for her son and Fionn McCool's And she was alone in that valley when the pains of birth came on her. And alone she faced that struggle that she knew might go either way. She might bring a child into life or a child might bring her out. And it felt to her alone in that valley like the greatest battle that any warrior could ever fight to fight against creation itself and maybe win a son and maybe lose your life and his as well. And she fought it alone. And she won. 
she held her child in her arms and she saw that his hair would be gold like his father's and she held him to her breast and as she lay sleeping curled protectively around her son Ferdorok came back to the valley Hearing his tread, she woke with such a start that she twisted harder than she ever had before, and she turned. And when she stood to face him trembling on her four legs, she felt that something inside of her, something raw, had maybe torn and maybe broken, and maybe she had twisted it too hard and it would never, ever untwist again. But she stood over her son and she did not let him touch her little dear, her golden-haired child, the son of Fionn McCool. And Ferdorok took his fury out on Sive. And still he came back day after day after day, sometimes begging, sometimes angry, sometimes violent. Sive could not give him what he wanted. Even if she had been willing, she could not give it to him, because it was lost to her, her safety, her love. It was not hers to give. For years this went on, until at last Ferdorak came with a new determination. And he spoke to her for hours that day first soft and coaxing and then gradually louder and angrier until he tied a rope around her neck and dragged her away she did not know where he was bringing her but she looked back and she saw that by his power he had pinned her son to the hillside that lovely laughing little boy with the golden hair and she knew he was going to leave her son in this valley to die. Wherever he was going to take her, whatever he was going to do to her, she was not going to let him do that to her son. Ferdorok's power was vast. And as he walked towards the side of the valley, he flicked his hazel rod as he had so many times before and opened a way between worlds. Sive's power by comparison was small but it was there she was a lady of the two of the Danon she was not powerless though he treated her as though she was and she gathered what power she had raw and untrained as it was small in the face of his greatness as it might have been and she waited for her moment as he dragged her to the threshold that threshold the most powerful place and it was on that threshold that she released her power and she tore through the gate that he had opened and she blew the sides of that valley wide and she hurled her son forth to be found and she and Ferdorok were scattered.
and they say Fionn McCool found Sive once more. Once more in his long life he saw her. As a deer fleeing before him. But Sive never was herself again. This podcast was produced and edited by Rory O'Shea and Oisín Ryan. You can find out more about us at our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all the social media as well. So like us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelittales or send us a message to get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channel really helps us grow and gets us out to more people. And if you'd be able to give us a little bit more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-off donation through the PayPal button on our website. We really like to hear back from you with your questions and requests, so please feel free to contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there, share them with as many people as possible, so anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we really especially appreciate you just listening. Till next time. You.